Good morning. It is a beautiful morning to be here. It's great to see see everybody. Man. Grace. I'm going to continue talking about grace. Talking about his perfect grace. You ever gotten more than you deserve? Sometimes we tend to focus on things that happen to us and we we forget to just slow down and realize how much we're truly blessed with, how much the Lord truly provides for us. We only think about things like last night at 9, 9.30 when I discovered a pipe leaking and could barely make it loaves in time to get it fixed, and I'm thankful for good neighbors that helped me get it fixed, but man, we about had a swim pool in the basement there for a bit, so maybe it's me, my classroom flooded the other day, so maybe maybe it's me, I don't know, maybe you don't want to be around me when, <laughs> thank you, Ricky, that's awesome, amen, <laughs> it's not a bad, if you got Ricky and Jesus on your side, you're doing pretty good, I'll just tell you, <laughs> amen. But again, we forget to just slow down and see the grace that we receive every day. The unmerited grace. The times that maybe we needed to be disciplined or punished and and we received Something we just totally didn't deserve. I think I've told this story before, but years ago, Rod and I just started dating. So it's been two or three years ago, I guess. Forty, golly, it's been over forty years ago. Um, I had uh, my dad and I did body work growing up. We we grew up. My dad was a painter, and we grew up working on cars. And um, I'll never forget. Uh, I went out with some friends one night and. Let's just say I did a few things that an 18-year-old boy shouldn't do. And I come home, and it was obvious, and we were planning on working the next morning. I'm not going to tell you what I did, but at 7 o'clock in the morning, my dad handed me a DA sander. And it's something you didn't want to DA sand all day. <laughs> you didn't really feel like doing that. Now I'll never forget. It's just, I don't know. How, you know how long it takes the jarring to go? I don't know. It's still there, but... but I sanded in the noise. I mean, just, and the noise didn't bother me. Yeah, actually it did. It was terrible. The noise and the shaking, just, I'm thinking, man, I wish I hadn't done what I did. I was thinking I was being punished, but what I really, the the noise and, and, and the shaking was terrible, but what was worse was the silence. All the noise was terrible, but the silence of my dad not talking to him. He was just pointing. He didn't say a word. He just pointed what he wanted me to do next. I'm thinking, man, I have really separated myself from my best friend. You know, this is terrible. This is terrible. We, golly, we sanded that car. I know one thing. It was slick and ready to paint when I got done that day because I sanded it. And sanded it. And then, hours later, 
my dad looked at me and he finally spoke to me. He said, son, I know you know better. And he handed me some money and said, you need to take that girl out you've been seeing because you can't do no better than her. And I believe he was right. But I didn't know what he's going to do. And just that surprise, just the not, not speaking to me was terrible. But then, I think when he realized the lesson that I learned, he, he showed me the grace. He gave me more grace than I ever deserved. I deserved a lot of punishment. But he gave me so much grace. And she did go out with me that night. She's been hanging out ever since. So, so believe me, I know about grace. But even that grace can't compare to the grace that Jesus shows us every day. Every day we deserve punishment. And every day he blesses us. Every day we deserve things that are not that good, but every day he gives us good. This morning, I'm going to continue on our grace journey. I'm going to continue talking about his perfect grace. I'm going to pick up, actually I'm going to back up just a little bit and review what we did last week, and then I'm going to pick up, and we're going to really kick this off into a sermon series, and we're going to talk about our Christian journey for the next several weeks. Again, I did this series a few years ago during COVID, and we were in and out of church, and I don't know who all got to hear it, but it's one of my favorite series, and it goes through our Christian journey from the, before we meet Jesus for the rest of our life. So it's going to take me a few weeks to, to do it, and I, and I pray this morning that as we go through this, that you get a blessing from this series as much as I've gotten from, from, from studying it. I'm going to start out by reading some scripture. And I'm going to read Romans 8. And I'm going to read the first 11 verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of, the, of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. Free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh and could not do. But sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. Since the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, then the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will give you life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for the scripture, Lord. Just thank you for, for your grace, Lord. Thank you for always giving us Give us more than we deserve, Lord. Thank you for providing all of our needs, Lord. I just pray that as, as we go through the scripture, Lord, we, we, we do this lesson, Lord, that you speak to our hearts, Lord. That we realize the grace that's available through you, Lord. We start uh, living our lives according to the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, last week... We began talking about a grace journey. We talked about how God's grace is with us even before we know we need it. The provenient grace is with us before we even know we need a Savior. Think about the times that God provides even when we don't ask Him. Think about the grace that he's shown you even before you accepted him as your savior. And now this grace, I'm not talking about justification. I'm talking about even putting a void within your spirit that tells you that you need something in your life. That you cannot do it on your own. Do you remember that feeling? It may have been a long time ago for you, but think about that. God provided that empty space so you would know that you need a Savior. That you know that you cannot do it on your own. You see, that's provenient grace. That's the grace that comes before. You see, in this part of the journey, in this part of the journey, we're just starting to realize we need Him. We're just starting to realize that we need him. In Romans 5, 8, Paul assures us, God shows his love for us because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. So Jesus died for us. He suffered, died, and was resurrected for us before we even knew he needed, we needed him. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves us. Is he created this empty space that we know that we need a Savior even before we're introduced to Jesus. You see, Jesus died for us before he knew we needed him. Through prevenient grace, God is with us. He's with us. And then, once we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, then that Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And we have power through him like we never dreamed. You see, we serve a God who desires every person in the world to come to, his, to the realization they need him. We serve a God who loves us so much that he wants to save every one of us. Paul writes in his first letter to Timothy, First of all, then, I urge you, that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings 
and all who are in high positions, so that they may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. He desires everyone to come to the knowledge of truth and be saved. You see, even before we know he needs him, we need him. He reveals this needed for us. We realize that we need a Savior. We need to repent. We know that something needs to fill this gap. And then justification, his saving grace, provenient grace again is the grace that comes before. And then next is justification. It's that saving grace. It's when we enter a relationship with him. It's the grace that saves our souls even though we don't deserve it. See, last week I uh, explained that there's something separating us from God. There's something in our lives that's separating us from God. And we need to understand that that something that's separating us is sin. And we can't do it on our own. I can do a few things. I'm not great at hardly anything. I can't think of anything I'm great at, but I can do a few things. But I cannot save your soul. I cannot save my soul, but I can tell you who can. You see, in John 14, 6 and 7, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So God's placed in our life the knowledge that we need a Savior. And he sent Jesus. While we were yet sinners, he sent Jesus. And we come to this knowing, loving relationship with Jesus in many different ways. Sometimes we think about everybody coming to the knowledge of Jesus and being saved in the same way. And usually it's the way that we were saved, the way that we became in a relationship. But it's not the same for everybody. We have different experiences. Again, for me, I, I shared with you last week, it was the end of a revival in the fall of 1976. I realized I cannot do this on my own. I know all about church. I've been doing church most of my life, but I need Jesus in my life. I need to truly be one of his followers. But again, everybody doesn't come to the knowledge of Jesus and the acceptance of Jesus with an altar call. For some people, it may be at home in the quietness. And some people, for some people, it may be during a Sunday school lesson. For some people, it may be during a confirmation class. For some people, it may be when they're praying with their friends at school. There's not one right way to accept Jesus. The only thing that's right is that we do accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And that's his justifying grace. Justifying. That explains grace. Just that word. That means that we had sin in our life. We still have sin in our life. But when we repent, we're justified. Justified is just as if it didn't happen. Justified. Just as if it didn't happen. When we repent, we are forgiven. We come that knowing, loving relationship of Jesus Christ, even though we deserve punishment, He gives us grace. 
Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have the peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. During our journey, you see, we need the peace of Jesus Christ. Our journey's a long one. The next stage of our journey, after we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the next step lasts the rest of our life. Sanctification. The last step is sanctification. After we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we should have one common goal, that's to be more like Him every day. In order to do this, we've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. We have to live by the Spirit. Just like our Scripture said, we have to live by the Spirit. When we live by our flesh, when we start trying to do things on our own, we're going to fail. But when we're living by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, that's when we have peace. John 3.30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. In other words, we should see more of Jesus in our lives. We should see more of the Holy Spirit working in our lives every day and less of us, less of our selfish desires. Less of our selfish desires. Again, I've got a good way to remember it. I've told you before. I say less of space, more of grace. You should see less of me and more of Him when I live my life. As Christians, we should all, when I look in your eyes, I see more grace, more love that can only come through Jesus and less of you. Again, they should see less of me and more of Christ and all that I do. We should be living a life that's more holy, that's driven by the Holy Spirit. You see, because we can't do that on our own. We can't do that in our flesh. You see, when we're living in our flesh, we're caught up in sin. And when we rely on our flesh, we, we, we rely on our selfish desires. But when we live in the Spirit, we start to notice that the fruit of the Spirit is bearing changes in our life. We're no longer caught up in our sin, but we now see the fruit of the Spirit. You see, Paul describes this in Galatians 5.22 and 23. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. As we're on this journey and we rely more on the Spirit and less on us, these are the qualities that should be seen in our life. See, if we're living by the Spirit, we should be guided by the Spirit in everything we do. You see, as we continue this journey and we're guided by the Spirit, we should become more like Jesus. You see, we're not saved by our deeds. We're not saved by our deeds. We're only saved by what Christ did for us on the cross. But we still need good works. We still need to do things for other people. We need to start being kind to people that are different than us. We need to start being gentle. We need to start having more self-control, more patience, more generosity, more faithfulness. We live in joy, love, and peace that lasts for an eternity. Sometimes 
when we commit ourselves to Christ, we start living by the Spirit, these things start showing up and we're the last ones to notice it. Usually people notice, notice a difference in us. When we're living by the Spirit, people can see it. You see, I can assure you that people around you will see the difference. Especially the people that are closest to you. You see, now we're making pretty good strides, but we're still on this long journey. But as Christians, we've committed to be in for the long haul. But we're human beings. Sometimes we experience doubt. And we still need assurance. You see, we gain this assurance by His sanctifying grace. By this grace, our desire to live more like Jesus Christ every day. I've told you many, many times that I'm convinced that the best way to feel His presence when you feel like, I can't even hear God trying to speak to me, is to go serve somebody. To go do something for somebody that can't do anything for you in return. Go serve somebody who needs the grace of Jesus Christ. John Wesley, in his teachings, he taught the Wesleyan means of grace that we should all live by. We're on this journey for a long time. If we desire to be more like Christ every day, we should be doing these things. See, John Wesley taught that God's grace is unearned. But we're not to be idle, waiting to experience grace. But we need to engage in the means of grace. These means of grace, he separates into two, uh, two sections. One's works of piety. Works of piety, and he separates that into two. There's individual practices and communal practices. As we're practicing the works of piety... In individual practice, we should be reading the Bible. We should be meditating. We should be studying Scripture. We should be praying. We should be fasting. Regularly attending worship. We should be living healthy and sharing our faith with others. That's the individual practice of works of piety. Our communal practice should be regularly sharing in the sacraments. Christian conferencing which means us being together, helping lift each other up in daily Bible study with each other. So besides works of piety, we should be doing works of mercy. In works of mercy, we also have individual practices and we have communal practices. Individual practices of works of mercy is doing good works, visiting the sick, visiting those in prison, feeding the hungry, and giving generously to the needs of others. Those are individual practices of works of mercy. Again, those works will not save you. But if you will be more like Jesus Christ, these should be a part of your life every day. Communal practices of works of mercy. We should be seeking justice, ending oppression and discrimination. Matter of fact, John Wesley challenged Methodists to end slavery, and to address the needs of the poor. Again, these works of mercy will not save us. But if we want to be more like Christ every day, these are the things we should be doing. 
We should be making disciples. We should be growing our congregation. We should be transforming the world as part of a spiritual adventure. And I'm telling you, you cannot do that on your own. You have to be empowered and guided by the Holy Spirit. As churches engage in the means of grace, as we as individuals engage in the means of grace, our spiritual goals are accomplished by connecting the means of grace with our community. Again, the means of grace. It's the basis of our Wesleyan teaching. We need to be practicing these. Individually and together. Again, over the next few weeks, I want to continue our theme of the Christian journey. You ever been on a journey? If you go on a journey, you can't stay in the same spot. That's not a journey. I don't know what that's called. But to go on a journey, you have to go somewhere. As we go on this journey, I want to relate our Christian lives to a journey. Again, accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is the number one goal that we should have. It's the ultimate grace. It, it, gives, it, it, it gives us our eternity. But we often look at that as the destination. The journey I'm going to talk about is the journey that we're going to go the rest of our lives after we accept Jesus as our Savior. I want to relate this journey to ships. I want to relate it to ships. And not the kind of ships that Allison was on last week. Oh, those, are, those are pretty fun. The ships I want to examine directly relate to growing our relationship with Jesus Christ. The ships that will carry us on a journey to become more like Christ. These ships are going to, the ships we're going to discuss is relationship. Worship. Discipleship. Fellowship. And stewardship. Those are the ships that I want us to commit to get on. As we go on this journey, together, those are the ships that will carry us to our destination. Is it not great to be on a sanctifying journey together? Man. As I close, I pray that everyone here, or everyone that may be watching online, I pray that we're all excited about this journey. If you're hearing this message and you haven't begun this journey, or you're on the journey you don't even know it because you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you make that decision today. Whether you're here, whether you're listening online, the altar is open. My telephone is always on. Always. You can call me anytime. I might have to call you back. I might be doing something, but you can call me anytime. But the thing about it is, you don't need me to accept Jesus. I'm the messenger. I love you. 
God loves us more than we can even imagine. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for your grace. Lord, thank you for placing us on this journey. Lord, thank you for everyone here, everyone listening online, Lord. I just thank you for, for allowing me the, the pleasure of being on this journey with each of them. Lord, I pray as we continue this journey, Lord, that you bless us. Lord, that we realize that we need to be more like you every day. Lord, I thank you for your grace. Your grace that uh, is greater than our sin. Your grace that's greater than anything that we can imagine. In Jesus' name, amen.